Hey, this is Julia, and welcome to Aquarian Times. So, this is the um, second part of my um, how I moved into the non-physical yogas. This is part two, and again, you'll hear this in the following episode, um, the Twenty-One Hidden Roots episode, if you listen to that. But this is episode number three. But it was recorded. Um, in 2021, it was redone and recorded in 2021. And now I'm adding it back into the direct, uh, into the right order. <laughs> um, because it was all the way at number 47 at that point. So um, I'm putting it back at number three. So this makes sense if you are listening from the beginning of the podcast. Um, so I want this to make sense. And yeah, so just ignore the part where I talk about it being 2021, etc. But um, I'm just going, um, finishing my my uh, yoga journey story for you. So giving it some context. All right, enjoy the episode. And, um, and yeah, thanks again for listening. So hi there, this is Julia. And thanks for joining me today on Aquarian Times. This is a bonus episode. Um, it's kind of a bonus episode. Well, first of all, uh, it's July 25th, 2021. forgot to mention. And a uh, bonus episode, but it's forty number 47. And um, if you did not know, a little side note, uh, July 25th um, is the day outside of time. So in the Mayan astrology... Um, this is the their calendar year, uh, thirteen moon calendar year ends July twenty fourth, and begins the new year begins July twenty sixth. So isn't that interesting? We don't have that in our Western world where we don't we have a day that's not even on the calendar, right? I mean, even leap year, leap day is on the calendar, even though it doesn't exist most of the time. And but. July 25th, that's today, and so if you follow any kind of, um, you know, uh, I follow Stargazer Lee, um, who's a, a, a Mayan, a hybridized Mayan astrologer, but today's the day, it's, a, it's, you know, once a year where we get to be outside of time. So, first of all, I'm curious, are you feeling it? <laughs> How is your day going? Are you outside? You probably aren't listening to this on the day I publish it, but think back um, to yesterday, if if that's if you listen to this tomorrow. But anyway, uh, think back and um, how did it go? The day outside of time. I'm certainly having one myself. Um, and so, given that, I am doing a little retrospective on the day outside of time, catching up on timelines that that I deleted uh <laughs> deleted things into the abyss um I did an, a couple ep- uh, at the very beginning of this podcast uh if you've been following I recorded an episode called how I moved into the non-physical yogas and it turned into two parts two different episodes it was episode one and or two and three at the time but the episode two I realized that I had maybe disclose some things I wasn't comfortable having disclosed and I decided to take it offline and um, so it disappeared 
and um, <laughs> into, you know, a day outside of time that, that I, you know, removed. Um, in any case, uh, I did get a note from a listener who, uh, um, thank you for bringing that to my attention, uh, that somebody noticed and cared. And I, of course, was like, oh, nobody will notice or care. And um, so in any case, I, it, I, I've been inspired now to to do what I should have done before, which is to re-record that episode and not leave y'all hanging if you are paying attention to my podcast. So thank you again if you are. So let's let's do this. Um, this is this is episode uh, part two of how I moved into the non-physical yogas. All right. So if you go back and you listen to that episode, or if you had a chance to listen to it at any point, um, I left off the, um, with the part of my yoga journey, I go, th- I, I started with my yoga journey at, in 1999 and how I began with the practice. And, you know, you had to listen to the episode and hear the play by play. Um, I left off, it was about the year 2014, um, when I was teaching restorative yoga and I had to, uh, take time off of teaching because I my adrenals crashed due to teaching um, multiple classes a day sometimes and not taking good care of myself around um, my nutrition and um, overdoing it and so I had an adrenal crash and I was teaching you know hot yoga classes back to back and not eating properly and you know common story really for a yoga teacher um, it's a very demanding um, job if you are stacking, you know, if you're doing 15 classes a week and, you know, you're teaching three classes a day and uh, yeah, it and anyway, it just, it's important, right, that we um, honor ourselves by, by actually, you know, fueling ourselves. And so what I, what, what came through for me was, um, I had to, I had to stop teaching and, um, and take care of, of myself. So, um, so what happened? Yeah. I, I, so what I mentioned was I basically had, I had scaled back, um, from teaching more physical, very physical types of classes, the hot, hot yoga with, you know, arm balances and vinyasa and, um, chaturangas and the whole thing to doing a year of teaching floor classes. So basically what that meant is I was doing like yoga, yoga conditioning classes where, um, none of the whole class was on the floor. You know, we didn't do any standing postures. It was, um, you know, hip opening and, um, hamstrings and, you know, low back and, shoulder open, you know, all, all sorts of good stuff, but it was all, it was very gentle and I really liked it. I liked teaching that way. Um, but it was really what I was kind of up for. <laughs> and, um, as well as teaching the restorative style, which is a whole, a whole other thing, um, which I, I taught for, I don't know, what was it like six years maybe. And, um, that was a very, a wonderful class. I know I had a a lot of um, regulars coming to that class, and it was 
a beautiful, it's a beautiful type of yoga with props, including bolsters and blocks and blankets and sandbags and belts. And you, you know, spend most of the class with an eye pillow over your eyes and uh, propped into positions that release the body and enable you to be really present, stay still, be with your breath, be with your mind, and really clear, kind of clear um, stress and um, from your system, you know, just kind of lifts right off. Uh, and, you know, so it was an interesting range, really, um, that not uh, surprising that I found myself uh, doing vinyasa classes and also for the restorative classes. So I kind of, that's kind of my, um, in, a, in a sense, my, my temperament or my dosha, I guess, is, um, you know, it can go to both <laughs> extremes with, uh, you know, needing that intensity and then also needing the, um, you know, the, the, rec the recuper recuperating from that intensity or just needing a gentle, uh, craving more gentle practice. So I became, you know, a really big fan of restorative yoga. Um, I still am. And in fact, was just doing doing a little restorative today. Um, and so, yeah, so basically, you know, what happened for me was, and I think I mentioned when I, if you go back and listen, you know, I, I, I was, I had, when I was living in the Bay Area, and I started, it was back in 2010, started doing vinyasa yoga, power yoga it was, um, and then did my teacher training at Yoga Works in Iyengar and Ashtanga, sort of blend. During that time, it was it was about two, two and a half years maybe of going to classes every, almost every day. Um, I was at the studio five to seven days a week. I was like, you know, quite literally had become very dependent on my classes. And that's, you know, that's fine. I was a new, um, I mean, I wasn't a totally new practitioner, but I was new, I was a new regular practitioner and I was just lapping it up. I was just, you know, wanted to learn everything I could from my master teachers. And luckily I was in the Bay area. I was in the North Bay where I did have some very skilled master teachers who, you know, um, and also visiting teachers, uh, oftentimes some of the best of the best, you know, would come through to San Francisco or, and I, you know, was able to partake of these very skilled, uh, master teachers. And again, if you're new to yoga or, um, I don't know where you are in your journey, but, um, the, you know, the, it does matter who you train with. It matters how many hours you've, uh, trained. It matters who, you, um, you know, your lineage and your understanding and your sort of perseverance or, and also, um, your integrity as a, as a human and as a teacher, as a student of yoga, and I would say is very important, you know, um, in order to pass down, you know, the purity of the teachings. And, you know, the truth is, is that, you know, yoga is a prescription for all the things that ail us, you know, it's, it's for high blood pressure. It's for, um, you know, it's, it's for, uh, relaxation. It's for, um, weight loss. It's for, uh, 
think of anything. Um, <laughs> yoga, you know, um, is there to help regulate us. The, the idea is that you would come to a practice, maybe a little agitated, a little spaced out, ungrounded. And again, this is, um, I'll mention in a few moments, you know, studying more about the doshas, um, the Ayurvedic doshas, the vata, pitta, and kapha, uh, air, uh, fire, and and earth, you know, there's different ailments that um, arise in each uh, imbalance, right? Sluggishness uh, for, you know, kapha, um, high, you know, intensity, like um, racing uh, thoughts for, sorry, high intensity for pitta, racing thoughts for vata. Um, it's a whole study, you know, of, of psychology, really, I, I really got into the psychology of, of the doshas. Uh, I think that's how I probably would specialize. Um, and if you go check out my shadow work course, 11 day shadow work course, you can learn about your, your psychology through your shadow, um, which is, which is based on the doshas. So little plug there. It's on my website. You can check it out. Um, so, so yeah, you know, you come to yoga again, you come to class, you're agitated, you're ungrounded, you're, um, uh, disturbed or hyped up or, un, you know, um, not present, whatever it is. The idea is that the practice brings you back into balance and, and the idea, and this isn't always possible in the West, but the idea is that the, it's a prescription, you know, that we, we, uh, the teacher can, and again, this can't really happen in classes because there's a, already a design for a class. And, um, but, you know, ideally the teacher will uh, be able to treat you and your symptoms uh, based on what practice would be good for you. And um, so that's the idea with, with a yoga practice, right? And, and, um, and when it comes down to you know, the health science of yoga. And, um, that, that's really the idea. It's, it is of course morphed so much. Um, it's kind of at a strange point now with yoga, uh, in the West, but, you know, of course, when it came here, it was really a uh, sort of sensationalism and, uh, all the physical, the physical prowess and the, um, acrobatics and the, um, I mean, it's great. I, the, no problems there. And it's also, there's, deeper layers in it. And it is truly a practice for everyone. Like whether you're 90 years old, whether you can't walk, I mean, you really, you don't have to um, be in good physical shape to practice yoga. Um, yoga is designed to help balance us wherever we are, right? So, all right. So let's see. So, you know, like I said, I came to the practice from having been um, slightly, like I said, not slightly, but very dependent on on the classes uh, to the point where uh, what ended up happening, I, I mentioned I moved uh, north of the Bay Area and to a more rural area and I didn't have my studios, I didn't have my master teachers anymore and I, I basically didn't find classes that were feeding me in the way that my classes were in the Bay Area. And I 
was like, you know, I can't, I, I just, I could stop going to classes. I was like, I don't even enjoy this practice and it's not giving me what I, what I used to get. And so I was, it kind of brought me into, which was a blessing at the time, but into becoming dependent on myself and learning how to design a home practice, which, you know, my goodness, now how many years later, you know, we're talking nine years later since, um, since the point of my graduation from my teacher training, um, it's a totally different world now from me feeling like I could only practice yoga if I looked up a class and find one in my area and could get there to the, to basically almost, you know, to the extreme of almost feeling like I, I can't even practice in a class because, you know, the, the, um, the, the sequence is not necessarily what my body needs. It's like, I've, I've learned what my body needs and what works for me. And why would I need to go to a teacher to tell me that now that I have those tools for myself? So it was kind of a, um, again, a swing in the opposite direction. I, I've obviously attended classes, um, since, but, you know, rarely to be honest. And, you know, I'm therefore pretty picky, you know, when it comes to going to a class or getting involved with, um, a teacher out there, um, you know, um, not as, uh, yeah, it has to be something special and, uh, for me to want to do that. And, you know, it, it makes me think, um, you know, several times I, um, took class from, uh, an, an Indian man who, you know, hailing from Bangalore named H.S. Arun, who is part of the Iyengar lineage and studied with Iyengar's daughter, Gita. And he came to the Mendocino coast, uh, was coming here regularly, like, I don't know, year annually. Um, I studied with him for several workshops. Uh, that was something that I would sort of splurge on, like, oh, I'll go to the visiting teacher from India, you know, like, surely I can, you know, there's something to learn there. And I, there always was. And um, just so different than having, you know, um, again, whatever this hybridized yoga is that we have now, which no, um, you know, no judgment. It's just, you know, you can't compare with uh, the old school, um, you know, teachers uh, from the lineages and it's complicated too, because there's also always, there's po politics involved and some, you know, a lot of people will say, um, you know, sometimes some sexual, uh, misconduct <laughs> that has infiltrated into a lot of, uh, you know, the most, um, the most, uh, traditional teachers, quote unquote. And so I, I'm not glorifying that. And, you know, there's always, there's things to look out for, uh, whether you're traditional or whether you're hybridized and there's, everybody has something to offer. And even the, you know, most renowned people are, are found to be unethical and, you know, so I just use your own discretion. I'm, um, this is earth, you know, all, everything's happening. <laughs> Everything under the sun is happening on planet earth. So, um, so in any case, uh, moving to the non-physical yogas. So 
what happened with me, again, I was purely into the physical, into the asana. I was, you know, every tool I could get, I would loving, you know, learning new back, back openers with props and blocks. And, you know, it was just, it was so what I was all about. But again, you come to a point where, uh, you know, you're not healthy enough, balanced enough to even do the physical practice. Like, okay, what is your yoga then? What is, where do you start um, to find your union and your stasis, right? So again, I was so grateful to take the practice into my own hands and become very uh, more dedicated to my home practice. So that was, you know, luckily having all the tools of having done many workshops and trainings um, and teaching so much, right? So I had, I had enough tools to build a home practice. And then, um, and then I decided, okay, well, this kind of sucks. I, <laughs> I, um, I don't feel good. I, you know, I don't really know how to freaking feed myself, you know, and I need, I need some help. I need, you know, I need to figure this out. And so, um, I decided to take a course in Ayurveda and I was very, very extremely lucky. This was in 2018. Um, I found, um, my Ayurvedic teacher who lived two and a half hours South of me. And, um, so she had a, at the time she was doing nine month programs where one weekend a month we would gather for three day weekends from, I think it was classrooms from 11 to six for three days, right? Um, one weekend a month, three day weekends for nine months. And it was sort of like that. There were some week, some months where there were two, two gatherings and whatnot. But, um, I decided I'm going to do this program and, I, um, and so again, I, my health was not all that great. And, but I was like, you know, I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta figure this out. And this is such an amazing opportunity. And, um, and so I, uh, I, I did it. I, I, uh, would, I would go down, you know, travel two and a half hours once a month I found people I could stay with. Things came together very um, magically and very easily that I found a place to stay. Um, uh, and so within walking distance of my classes, one, you know, the, the main place I would stay. And so it was, you know, kind of like kismet as they, as, as, as they say. And um, this was my Ayurvedic program is a 250 hour uh, clinical foundations in Ayurveda and at the Dayana Center in Sebastopol, California. So Northern California, Sonoma County. Um, that's where I met my teacher, Deanna Batdorf. And so 2018 to, and I graduated in May of 2019 and it was a beautiful experience. Um, I actually, it, it hailed me back to, again, my days at Upaya, um, learning in, in community, having um, a real skilled teacher with who had, you know, she had studied with Vasan Lad, uh, who was, you know, one of the, uh, the Ayurvedic Institute in New Mexico, 
in Albuquerque. He founded that and she was his student and he, uh, he uh, referred students to her. And then she moved to Sebastopol and started her own center. And she, you know, had trained in India. She has, she's an incredible um, teacher with just such an amazing background in um, Ayurveda, Panchakarma. And she had a Tibetan teacher too. Uh, She had worked with essential oils with some of the, um, you know, big names in essential oils. Uh, she just had kind of this charm life in terms of having studied with these amazing teachers and had been, you know, all over the world and done amazing things. And there she was just like so accessible and uh, just creating this really deep experience of these seminars, you know, these three day weekends of just immersing ourselves in lecture and, um, you know, pulse excuse me, pulse study. We, we, um, learned how to, to read the pulse, uh, to figure out, you know, um, if someone was vata, pitta, or kapha, or what was dominant. And, um, and so I, I was just sort of an, again, I was sort of in heaven again, and it had been a few years. It had been many years, actually, uh, having done, you know, workshops here and there and taught a lot and had my adrenal crash and, Um, But I, you know, living in a more rural area was, felt pretty starved for, um, you know, for again, for most of my life being around master teachers, I felt, you know, isolated and, and uh, kind of like, I was always phoning out, like, where can I go uh, do trainings? Like, and it was just so much more challenging to travel distances and to, you know, go study with people. Um, And I'd sort of, eroded, um, eroded that, uh, possibility for me for a while. And I, um, I think, uh, it reignited my passion, you know, and I did obviously travel to my Ayurvedic training, but it reignited my passion for being in the space of, you know, higher education and master teachers and, you know, real, um, learning and growing. And, um, it was, yeah, it was a really incredible experience. So, um, so that, you know, again, um, speaking of non-physical yoga practice is, you know, learning how to take care of our, our bodies and our minds and off the mat, right? I mean, you can, you know, you can have I mean, you can't really have an amazing asana practice if you're not taking care of yourself off the mat, right? So it was actually more important, right, that you understand how to feed yourself, how to you know nourish yourself, how to um, move with the seasons, how to uh, you know get enough rest and get the right supplements, and you know especially in the times that we're in, it's just you know so wonky. Um, of course, you know with so many things, as we know, uh, um, that are health uh, hazards, right? And the fact that we have all the fires uh, regularly and, you know, um, just having to source natural foods. And then it's just so many people are ungrounded and truly unhappy and um, uh, unfulfilled, you know. And then, um, 
you know, COVID, of course, uh, <laughs> um, just, you know, ever, you know, trying to t- just keep our- ourselves healthy, right? It just becomes less important to be like, oh, I have a great yoga practice. It's like, well, <laughs> what is the rest of your life like? Like, are you able to survive, you know? And so I, f- I was just so grateful and found it invaluable to learn about Ayurveda and um, learn about the doshas and uh, vata, pitta, kapha and how to apply um, you know, working with, with our, our specific needs, our specific needs for our yoga practice and for our nutrition. And it just, it, it really put everything into context for me, um, in a major way and, um, sort of was that click, you know, and also being in community was uh, in the, in the classes was so, uh, again, I just, I thrive in community, um, and have had, many experiences in my life where that was prominent, uh, whether I was living community or working, uh, closely in, you know, dance, um, community or whatever, um, that, you know, that's really how I, I thrive. I, I personally have found. So the non-physical yogas, right. Um, all the, all the ways to stay in balance off our mat. And again, these are through, um, self-care practices, you know, the Ayurvedic self, Ayurveda is all about self-care. It's all about preventative, uh, care and, um, how to nourish ourselves, how to take care of ourselves so that we don't get to the point where we are out of balance. So out of balance that we, um, you know, we need, um, intervention, right? Um, so yeah, so that was, you know, my foray into Ayurveda. And, um, I'm going to talk more about that, uh, one of these weeks coming up, I'm going to be talking about my offerings and Ayurveda is one of them. Um, but let's move, let's move right along since, uh, you know, we're trying to fit this all into one podcast. So another training I did, um, in this time period was on the Akashic records. So again, moving into the non-physical yogas. And this one is very non-physical. So akasha actually means ether, right? So if you're looking at the elements, which is the Ayurvedic perspective, right? Water, uh, fire, earth, air, and ether. So ether is space. Ether is invisible. It is not air. Air has substance, right? It's wind. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, you can feel wind, you can feel air, but you can't feel space, at least not physically, although space is energetic, right? You can feel space, you can hold space, right? We can create space out of energy, okay? And this is the Akasha. So the Akash, the Akashic records, if you, if you aren't familiar, um, it's a, it's again, it's the realm of the ether. But when you hear people talk about the Akasha, they talk about the library of the Akashic records. And it is basically a storehouse of um, all, all time, all, um, all, it's like a record of all 
phenomenon, all occurrences, all everything that's ever existed. It's all in the Akasha. And, um, and they say it's like the, you know, as far as, as far as dimensions, right? We talk about the third dimension, the fourth dimension, the fifth dimension, the lowest uh, dimension that the Akasha is available is the fifth, right? And a lot of people are talking about moving from the third to the fifth dimension, right? So that's, that's basically being able to access the Akasha, and the Akasha is a neutral realm where it's fact. It's like this happened, that happened. You know, it's not like a perception. Per, there's no perception. It's just fact, right? And everything in our wild, magical, totally, you know, amazing world, everything is in there. Everything. So that's what is different about, you know, say religions, uh, and religions versus Akasha. So religions will deny things, right? They'll deny people. They'll deny uh, pref sexual preferences <laughs> or orientation, excuse me. Um, they'll deny ethnicities, right? So in, if you're looking at religions, they're like, oh, this all doesn't exist, right? This belongs in that category and it, we're not acknowledging it, right? So that would be a religious perspective. But from the Akashic perspective, it's it just everything that ever existed is included, right? So that's everything in your imagination. That's everything um, in your quote-unquote 3D physical reality. It's everything in your dreams. I mean, if, if, we, if we think it, it existed, right? Dragons, mythos, uh, cartoons, um, everything, 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 everything is in the Akasha. So I just got really fascinated with this, um, thing called the Akashic Records and I wanted to learn more and I ended up doing a course, um, where it was, you know, we had a workbook and I learned about, um, different soul, um, uh, different, uh, uh, star systems, you know, in the galac and the galic, galic, the universe, the galaxy and the galactic, uh, you know, our galactic uh, friends out there, like the Pleiadians and the Arcturians, and um, there's so many of them, the Speakins and the, uh, you know, there's, uh, I'm not going to go into all of them here, but um, a lot more people are very familiar with, say, the Pleiadians or, um, and these are our, you know, uh, extraterrestrial uh, family that are living in our, in the solar system and out there. And, um, those are all included in the Akasha too, you know? Uh, and if you talk about space and Akasha, basically it's all accessible on different dimensional frequencies. So you've got the fifth and you've got the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth, and they're more finite and they're more, they're faster. They become, you know, more instantaneous and, you know, manifestation is, is like highly, is like really, really fast in the, you know, higher dimensions. Like we, you know, I mean, I've been having that experience lately where it's like, I'll have a conversation. I'll go listen to a podcast. It'll be on what we were talking about that conversation. And then I'll get an email with information about what we were just talking about, like a link. This is what's happening in my life. I don't know about you. I mean, it doesn't happen like all day, every day. But, I mean, it does happen all day, every day, 
Yeah, that's the point. It is happening all day, every day. Um, sometimes, but when it's happening like that, um, you know, that's when it's time to pay attention. Like, you know, are you, are you paying attention (laughs) with the, uh, you know, the assistance? Uh, we're not alone, you know? Um, and you know, that's what prayer is all about. And, you know, that's how we can really kind of, again, uh, work with timelines and probabilities and possibilities. It's like, you know, I know many people are totally on this tip, but you know, if you're new to this, um, it's, it's real, you know, and there are ways to sort of bypass natural or more, um, more, uh, thick laws, you know, more, um, I would say, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, heavy, dense, more dense realities. So we have ways of <laughs> bypassing those through higher, higher vibrational frequencies. And that's, that's what they caution us all about. Okay. So, so that was a study I did. Uh, that was like, that was actually more like, I think that was around, what was it? Maybe around 20, 2017, 2018 two somewhere around there, or maybe it was later. Um, I can't remember exactly, but in those years, um, I, so, you know, again, there's a lot to learn. Um, I did one course. There's a lot of different teachers out there. I had, uh, Lisa, um, on my Lisa, oh, sorry, I'm blanking on her last name all of a sudden, but, um, I, I interviewed an Akashic teacher, um, earlier in the, or you can go back and listen to that episode. Um, I'm embarrassed. I can't think of her name all of a sudden, but anyway, um, yeah. So <laughs> Akashic knowing is her business and, uh, yeah, go ahead and listen to that. So, um, that was the Akasha again, non-physical, non-physical yogas. And again, here we are, right here we are. And now we're in 2021, but you know, as they say, you know, 2012 was a um, kind of left behind the old world, and um, we're there's no denying that we're in a rapidly, uh, sh- highly um, shifting and upgrading of consciousness time. It's just happening so fast, and so again, to move into the non-physical yogas uh, is sort of the wave, the new wave, right? The Aquarian age. So again, from Ayurveda to learn how to take care of ourselves to the Akasha. And then again, my studies took me into Kundalini Yoga. Okay. So I, again, having, having encountered yoga for the first time back in 1999, you can imagine, you know, there's a, there's different schools of yoga. And as I mentioned, I was part of the Krishnamacharya lineage, which is uh, sorry to say that fast, Krishna Macharya lineage, which was, again, really what what this what made so the sensationalism of yoga, what came to the West, people were sort of was very popular, right? So it was a hatha practice, meaning physical practice, okay. And I always knew about Kundalini yoga from early on, and these this is the yoga that. Again, uh, Yogi Bhajan was the founder of this particular uh, incarnation of Kundalini Yoga. It's older than him, but he sort of packaged it into a um, uh, system, right? 
and he was on the planet. Uh, he, I think it was t- 2004 that he left his body in, in New Mexico. There's a whole um, organization that he called um, 3HO, ha- um, Happy, Healthy, and Holy, uh, in um, northern New Mexico, in Española, um, where, you know, their headquarters were and he, he, you know, passed there. Um, I think it was 2004. So totally different lineage, right? This is from the Northern part of India. The language is not Sanskrit. It's not, it's not Hindi related as much. It's more Gurumukhi. That's the language Gurumukhi. And, um, that, you know, highly into, uh, chanting and um, a lot more strict in terms of guidelines like vegetarianism. They wear all white, uh, mostly. Um, that's what you'll see. And the turbans, right? So turban wearing, all white, and then chanting. It's very, it's more like in devotional and mala beads. And there's like a science of humanology associated with it. Um, Again, you can kind of be a hatha yogi and, you know, go to gyms and like do your backbends and whatever and call yourself a yogi. But in the Kundalini lineage, it's way more involved with, again, the Hallmark is also doing sadhana, your spiritual practice between, uh, usually between 4 and 6 a.m., okay? And they, you know, have um, uh, kriyas that you are asked to do 40 days minimum of of a certain kriya or a set of kriyas and you know and then it starts to change your your nervous system it starts to change your your etheric right it's very linked in with the akasha so you start to change things up in the uh etheric realms and with the chanting so again um i kind of had departed from this more physical practice and and came upon my teacher uh, in 2016. I found her, um, Guru Jagat, based in Venice, California, down in LA. Also has a studio in New York and in Mallorca. And I was just overtaken sort of by the force field of what she's doing, which is very incredible. And she's a, an activist. She's an artist. She's a, I mean, she has a clothing she has like seven, she's running seven companies. <laughs> she's amazing. She's amazing. And she's, a, um, you know, she's got a podcast and she's like brings people together from all cross spectrums and has, throws amazing, you know, events and um, trainings. And I mean, she's all, all over the world. You know, she's uh, constantly traveling. And I got really involved with her sangha from, like I said, 2016 to 2020. Um, I joined uh, the Aquarian Women's Leadership Society, uh, which is an online um, group of uh, women leaders who, you know, there's a, um, there's a, you know, Facebook page and, you know, we're, um, there's events for these uh, particular group um, she had a program, has a program called Immense Grace, which is a women's, uh, program, which she runs every year and has since 2015, I believe. Um, or was it 2013? I'm not sure for many years now. And, um, I did her Immense Grace program, uh, 
went down to LA several times and she did, you know, would do these four, four day long, uh, workshop immersions and, um, in all aspects of, again, yogic lifestyle and, um, uh, you know, women's ceremonies and, um, diet and just, you name it, um, kind of covered in the gamut there. Um, and I also did teacher training with her and uh, her teacher and their, their, um, affiliate staff in Venice. So, which I did in 2019 and my last module was in 2020, uh, a month before COVID hit. And, um, so that was, yeah, I was just very immersed in the Kundalini tradition and, uh, learning again about, um, doing these Kriyas, doing these, um, it's really like energy work. And I was teaching as well. I had started teaching Kundalini and, um, it's, it's a powerful practice and it definitely is a vehicle for moving, shifting, uh, non-physical issues. So when it comes to, again, I, I, I started getting really interested in deeper layers of, I don't know, existence uh, beyond physical asana, like I mentioned, the Akasha, and it's specifically karma. I got really interested in karma, and also what led me uh, to learning more about karma is is studying astrology, okay? So um, the Kundalini, uh, at least the lineage I was uh, involved with, with Guru Jagat, very um, interested in astrology and celestial patterns and influences. It was a big part of um, what she teaches and what she leads with, you know. And I had, I have been an astrology fan and student for, you know, I think I remember getting a reading with um, the late Jan Spiller, if if anybody's an astrology fan out there. She wrote the book Astrology for the Soul. She was a famous astrology teacher. And my dad actually went to grade school with her or, you know, so he hooked me up with a reading with her. So I had a, a Skype reading with Jan Spiller back in uh, 2014. And I listened to that recently and, and I realized I didn't know very much about astrology then. Uh, I had, you know, that's what I said in the reading. And um, even though I was interested in it, but since then, you know, it's unfolded for me, um, my study of astrology and I, it comes bite by bite. I, there's almost nothing I've found that orients me in this physical reality more than understanding astrology. And it's funny to me because most people think that astrology is like woo woo and out there and like, what, what are the planets and stars have to do with us? Well, everything, (laughs) everything that exists on this plane that we can see, that we experience you know, is connected to the planets and the planets rule, you know, different aspects of our experience here. And if you, when you start to understand it, it like everything clicks and starts to make sense, you know, Um, because until, you know, if you're experiencing life, if you're really seeing the deeper dimensions, you know, it's really nice to have some kind of tool to help explain what the heck, (laughs) you know, what the bleep is going on. 
right? And um, that's what I love about the Akasha and astrology is they don't, it doesn't deny anything. It's like, okay, you, you, you experience, you know, aliens or you, you know, you know stuff about aliens. Well, look it up here. It's right in here. It says this, you know, I mean, it's, it helps to orient us, you know, into really, if we're willing to accept everything, um, in our reality, which a lot of people aren't, you know, and, and I understand that cause it's pretty mind blowing. So if you've done, ever done any psychedelics, you know, um, that usually is, <laughs> you know, we'll start opening you up to deeper dimensions and it's, it can be very intense to start seeing more of reality. You know, we're not in Kansas anymore, you know, that's kind of how it feels. And, and that's how a lot of people are feeling, especially after 2020. It's like, whoa, whoa, what the heck, you know, like, and, you know, you may or may not know what I'm talking about, but uh, I, I would guess that you do. And if you do, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear, um, you know, a comment, uh, you know, I'd be happy to, this is what I'm interested in, you know, again, this being the Aquarian Times podcast, um, I'm interested in talking about these things because uh, I'm certainly experiencing them and uh, I needed to understand what, what the bleep was going on. So Okay, I don't know how long this episode is getting, but I think I think it's not check here. I think it's oh, it's, it's about almost about fifty minutes. So I think I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna start to wrap up here. Um, so again, I studied Kundalini Yoga from about 2016 to 2020. Um, I I won't go into the whole. There was a big scandal with Yogi Bhajan, and I don't want to take sides. It did. It did uh, remove me from that study in a significant way. Um, I still have my books. I still, you know, I, I, the efficacy of the practice, many people can vouch for. Um, but I, I think I just sort of saw, I sort of just knew that, um, you know, I was being pulled in another direction you know, and I accepted that. And, and I, and I, you know, again, I still have my books and I, you know, if there was a million hours in a day, I would read them all too. I think it's all helpful and relevant and, um, you know, it all helps explain personally what I am experiencing, which is a lot of things that a lot of people, well, more people are talking about now, but you have to be in certain circles to talk about these things. And, um, I needed to understand them, you know, and, um, so that so let's just say, um, you know, this is this is uh, the shift into the non-physical realities. Um, I'm a huge astrology fan. Um, I hope to, you know, be doing more with astrology, but it's sort of an organic process for me. I don't, um, you know, I talk about it with the people closest to me and um, look at their charts, and it's sort of I sort of dabble still, even though it 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 totally makes my world go round like. Um, like I'm totally tuned into the transits because that's, again, that's what makes sense to me um, to help orient me in this uh, shifting, changing world, as Michael Mead would say. Um, but let me let me start to wrap up here. And I just want to say that, you know, existing on the planet now, um, you know, it is important to be, if you're experiencing these things, involved in these conversations, I think. That is that is what I endeavor to be teaching more. 
um, again, it's it's like pulling different fragments, pieces, like I said, lineages um, together. And I'm in the process of weaving those things together myself, as well as getting inspired by new things and all the tools, right, um, to <laughs> to help us here in this experience. And I, I certainly need a lot, you know. I, I need a lot of things, I th- feel, to help orient me and keep me grounded because I have so many experiences that are truly out there, you know. It's like, okay, how can I contextualize all this, you know. Um, it's why I study the tarot and archetypes and um, non-physical things because it's sort of way more relevant to me than, you know, a lot of people I would say, oh, you're lucky not to have to study this stuff, you know, because maybe you got it figured out in this realm. But, you know, I just have an orientation and a, um, yeah, it's sort of an imperative, you know, to learn how to navigate these waters, you know. Um, so I'm just going to to leave off here with um, the, the next episode. I'm going to put out a bonus episode uh, because, again, the, the other episode that I deleted was my introduction to my project 21 hidden root causes of disease. Um, I went over in brief each point, each 21 points. I'm going to do that as another bonus episode so I can fill out my, my podcast again and not have missing holes in there. But, um, so you can look forward to that. That'll come out in the next, I don't know, probably the next week or so. And another bonus episode along with, um, the other, uh, info I'm putting out on, on my offerings right now. And, um, there's just so much to know, isn't there? There's so much to know. I'm, it's just, wow. And, you know, again, I just, I hope to be a a bridge, um, um, a a resource for navigating the shift. (laughs) Um, again, I, I kind of consider myself to, to have a foot in both worlds. You know, um, I, I, I am not totally out there like, um, like there's things I, you know, I, I definitely feel like, whoa, that's a little too bizarre for me. I always want to ground things. I want to bring, bring things into the relevant, into the, into focus, into, into the heart, into, um, you know, make things palatable, make them digestible. I'm really interested in integrating, right. And not going way out there into some crazy, you know, like, I don't know, tangential realm. Um, There's room for everyone, you know, but that's my particular orientation is how can we, how can we bring this back, you know, to the body, to the physical world, to be applicable, actionable, um, building community. I'm hoping, you know, to be weaving that more in um, as we are able to gather again and, um, you know, it might be a few, it might be a little while, right? Before, you know, cause I feel like we're actually on deeper assignment, which is, um, you know, learning more about ourselves right now. And when we are able to come back together, we can be a little bit more mature, you know, in the way that we decide to interact with each other. That's what I hope. And, um, and I, and for myself too, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, um, all the self-healing, right. To be the best person that I can be. So you can look for the, the overview of the 21 hidden root cause, um, causes of disease, uh, episode bonus episode coming up. And I hope you learned something today. I know I, 
I know I kind of breezed through, you know, some of these things, but just to bring it back, um, again, from the, from the physical yogas, I went into restorative yoga, my home practice, into Ayurveda, into the Akasha, and into the Kundalini realm, which, you know, dealing with energy and mantra and uh, karmas and our karma, and into astrology, which helped teach me about karma and origins and, um, you know, how we're wired and what our nature is and what our sort of, uh, what we're magnetizing, you know, just by nature of who we are. And uh, so there we go. So I hope that was helpful. And yeah, I'd love to hear any feedback. Um, you can reach out to me. And I hope you have a, a great day outside. Of t- I hope you had a great day outside of time. Curious how it went for you. And yeah, hang in there. We're, we're doing this. I hope, I hope you're doing good. I'm, I'm out here with my paddle, you know, just trying to stay on course with the rest of you. And um, it's a it's a job. You know, it's quite a it's quite an endeavor. So good on everyone who is on that journey, you know, and stick with it. You know, Um, it's it takes a lot of fortitude. So anyway, again, thank you so much for tuning in. I'm going to sign off and please be in touch. Okay, take care.